Well, do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Can we start? Oh, welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 57, year two. Today, we're going to talk about my free roll, which was a success in my home game. We're going to talk about, well, we got special guest, four-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, Mr. Brian Rast. We're going to talk about poker, some politics, and whatever else is going on. The mouthpiece next. What up, what up? Welcome to the mouthpiece. Episode 57, year two. Well, God, the weeks are flying by, flying by. It's been a week since um, they... uh, Say that uh, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Uh, Wrong. Well, Trump, be quiet there, buddy. Um, so, uh, you know, um, today they had a million people march on Washington. Uh, it was uh, mostly peaceful. Of course, all the stuff that wasn't peaceful was caused by the typical BLM Antifa fucking protesters uh but anyways uh it is what it is um i uh uh the election was pretty fun um i uh beat um helmuth out of 5000 he he thought that trump was going to concede by thursday at 11:15 at night i mean this guy might never concede i don't know what the heck uh phil was thinking uh, so it's good to beat him out of 5,000. Uh, that made up, I ended up, I ended up, uh, Are you making, crazy, Phil? I ended up making like 3,000 off of the election. So, uh, you know, that ended up being pretty good. Um, uh, you know, uh, I have my own opinions on it. You know, people will have some calls today. Tell me what they think. Um, and, and, uh, you know, having Brian on, he's, a you know, he leans left, but he's very open-minded. I love people who are open-minded that uh, you can have a normal conversation with. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, we, uh, I relaunched the uh, Mike um, Mattiso home game this week. Uh, we had to uh, regroup because I lost my PayPal account thanks to fucking some idiot. Uh, but everything's good now. Yesterday I did a 3K free roll, had 191 people sign up. So uh, that was cool. And the home game's doing really good now. So uh, anybody out there that uh, listen to the podcast um, that wants to play with me in the home game, 1224 No Limit and PLO, email mouth poker at yahoo.com that's mouth poker at yahoo.com and uh for every 250 you deposit you'll get 200 or i'm sorry for every 200 you deposit get 250 in chips uh there's a possible um on the horizon i might be uh streaming uh tournaments on sundays for uh acr uh, that's uh, not uh, finalized yet, uh, so um, 
I'm uh, friends with Phil Nagy. Uh, we play in a home game together. Uh, so uh, I'm going to start streaming tournaments there. And it uh, looks like I'll be doing that every week. Uh, we're going to do a trial for a month, see how that goes. Uh, that's uh, pretty much the goal right now. Um, so we'll see what happens. The World Series Poker announcing another main event so we could have three main event champions in 2020. Uh, I'm going to say my opinion on it is kind of the same as Dan O'Brien's, which is just another money grab why people are home during COVID. Maybe we'll have three or four more world champions lined up um, to uh, for this year. Um, it's um, a online, another online event. It really doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know, listen. If I ran the World Series of Poker. I would shove it up everybody's ass, too. They've done it to us for, like, let's see. I don't know. Started where they got greedy in about 07. So they've been they've been sticking it in our ass for 13 years. Why not stick it a little bit farther? Since everybody always has no problem uh, bowing down to them. So, listen. If I ran the company, I would do the same thing. I'd say, <laughs> Look at all these fucking idiot poker players. Let's just announce another main event. World Championship. See how much... See, well, oh, we're going to give a million back. We're going to rake 10 million in online. But hey, we're going to give a million back with no overhead. See, they're going to see this model and see how much money they're making. They'll be like, we don't even have to have a live one anymore. No, they don't. They wouldn't do that. You never know. They might. Wouldn't put anything past them. But no, I'm not... I'm not knocking Jack or Ty. They're they're doing what's best. It's a business, so you know they you know they say they know poker players are a bunch of suckers. So they'll just keep doing what they need to do. You know, and God bless them. Hey, if I ran a business, I would do whatever I can to uh, expand my business. Uh, also, talking about poker a little bit, the the Daniel Negreanu Doug Polk match. I don't know uh, if you guys have been watching it uh as you know daniel uh, played the first one live 200 hands the next three he got crushed and the last two he crushed uh if you're really paying attention you could really see the adjustments daniel's made um in the last two sessions and it's pretty obvious and uh even doug tweeted out yesterday it's not that he minds getting stacked and losing 200000 It's more about the fact that D-Negs is making less and less mistakes, which is what I told you all was going to happen. Daniel is a world-class poker player, and now he's studied. He's put the time in, the GTO time, the, whatever it takes to win online. Uh, I do believe that's going to uh put him in a spot where it's going to give him an edge um i got four to one for ten thousand and i just got ten to one two days ago for two thousand with my good friend chris moneymaker chris how's that twenty thousand looking over there mm, yum 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 so uh now it's a long ways to go they're only five percent in the thing hasn't even started yet 
but it's good to see the adjustments Daniel's made. Uh, he told me he's pretty confident. Uh, like I said, I, I'm not saying Daniel's going to win. Uh, he doesn't have to win, but uh, and Doug, but it, when you're getting now uh, a total of uh, five to one on somebody you believe might be, I don't know, two to one dog at best, maybe dollar fifty. I mean, you ask Daniel; he thinks he's a favorite. I mean, I think that's a little bit far. Uh, but, this is uh, Chris Moneymaker, and you're listening to the mouthpiece. Yeah. Chris Moneymaker, just make sure you got my 20000 ready, my man. So, um, anyways, so that's what's going on with that. Uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, gives me a couple hours a day to, to kind of focus. Uh, I definitely felt Daniel was a little passive on some, the turn, and he last two days he's changed that. Now, it also could be because of cards. But you can, if anybody knows anything about poker, can see the adjustments he's made. So, me and Brian will probably talk about that. Um, so uh, let's see. We're gonna have uh, our hand of the, or not our hand of the week, but we're gonna have our pick of the week in football. We won last week to go to four and five with the Bills. Um, I'm gonna uh, go ahead and, uh, well, we could do the pick of the week after, I guess. So we're four and five on the week. Flashy, my little 19-year-old caddy, he misses all the action. What's up, Flash? Say hi to everybody. Hello, he's a star. God, you're getting old, little buddy, but you just jump up, you act like you're like two. You have so much energy. So much, yeah, we know, we know. Are you gonna walk on my computer? What are you gonna do, buddy? All right, be a good boy, good, good boy. So, anyways, uh, you know, there wasn't much going on this week. Uh, so, we had the Daniel challenge. We got Trump challenging everybody in court. We got nothing really much going on. They 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 were uh, filming Poker After Dark this week. I didn't like the lineup, so I ended up not playing. Uh, they want me to play tomorrow, um, which I probably would have. They didn't just text me right now on my sleep schedule. I've been going to bed around 8 in the morning and waking up around 2 in the afternoon. So, um, you know, basically speaking, I don't... Uh, uh, it's tough to play when you're not rested. They want me to go there at 9.30 in the morning for a COVID test and then play at 2.30 in the afternoon. So I don't think I'm going to, but we'll see. I mean, I might change that mind. So anyways, that's what's going on there. Let's not waste no more time. Let's... uh. Let's, uh, did you, uh, get Brian Rast on in here and we'll talk to him and, uh, you know, uh, what can I say? It's been a very slow week for me. I haven't, uh, really done much except fucking lay in bed and shit. There's really not much to watch. No politics anymore. No sports except. Monday night football, Thursday night football. I mean, this is brutal. You want to talk about brutal fucking boredom? That's what my life is right now. But my home games started back up, and uh, and so I'm playing there at least a couple hours a day. Email mouthpoker at yahoo.com. Receive $250 in chips for 200 My initial deposit. So, um... 
you know, so we're doing that. Uh, I'm going to see if, uh, how that works out the next, uh, month. And, uh, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to move on to other ventures. Uh, we, the, the home game was so strong for about three months and then, um, you know, uh, you know how it always goes in poker. So good players beat up all the bad players. The bad players go broke. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting where with the eight or nine of the best players. I mean, it's just what always happens. So, But right now, we had a good influx of new players. So the games are good. Uh, uh, I played till like 2 in the morning last night, I think. Well, I was up like 400 in the 1-2 game. And then we did a $20 bomb pop. I lost it, and then the next thing you know, and then the bomb pop. This guy lost like two fifty in the pot, right? So then somebody opens for eight, and then he just moves in for one forty eight, and I just re-raise with ace king, and somehow after the guy opened for eight and he moved in for one forty eight, uh, he had kings. I flopped an ace and it ran out four spades, and I ended up quitting for the night. Anyways, I think we got Brian Rast on the line. Brian, what's up, buddy? Not much. How are I, you? It's good to in see Vegas, you. chilling. What's going on? Yeah, nah, nothing much, man. Uh, how's poker life going? You playing much? No. no, no. This is the least I've played poker since I started playing. I mean, since the very beginning, even when I was in college, before I dropped out, wow. I haven't played as little as I played this year. So, yeah, me neither. Um, the last two months, I have played the least amount of poker I've played in my life, actually. And um, so, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so, uh, listen, we're going to, I'll talk to you a little bit about poker. So, yeah, I consider you one of the best players in the world. Uh, a lot of people don't know you. Uh, they don't understand. I used to literally back in the day chase you around full tilt in the mixed games because you were so <laughs> bad. And then... You became one of the best in the world. How did you learn all the games and become so good so fast? Well, I mean, I've always been a curious person. I've always liked learning. Yeah. There's not really, a, especially with the mixed games, there's definitely just not a trick. I jumped in. Uh, the very first, you played with me when the my, my very, very first mixed action, which was obviously a, Online, I was a no limit holding player. Right. And I was one of the early guys to jump into PLO. Right. Where I would fish at first and actually lost some money at first taking lessons. But then, you know, added PLO to my repertoire. And then, you know, there were times I was bored and was would jump in the mix games. And obviously, I would basically never played them before at that point. Right. So I'm sure I was juicy. You were. Uh, but then... And then it was just kind of something I did once in a while, and maybe I'd play a couple WSOP tournaments. And then, like, at some point, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I started jumping in the Bobby's Room game. Right. Like, kind of going off the experience I had, you know, feeling a little good because I kind of won the Players' Championship, even right. though the final table was in, you know, final no table way. was in Nolan Holden, which right. was great for me. Right. And then, and then I just, I just kind of like learned by fire. I mean, playing in the Bobby's room game, there's some like amazing players there, you know, guys who well, obviously my weakest games were the up card games, stud, Raz, that those kind of things. Cause right. that was like a totally different concept to flop games. Correct. Um, 
And you know, I'm learning from some of the, the best. There's like amazing stud players in the Bobby's room game, like Hennigan and yeah. you know, Oppenheim and just all those guys. Absolutely. So that that's it, really. I mean, in fact, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the advent of really solvers in the last five years has been net like very bad for me. Because yeah. I think like five years ago, especially in like No Limit Hold'em, I was like probably better than what people thought looking back. Because I think some of the maybe the top players didn't give me as much respect as maybe I deserve. But truth is, is I haven't been working that hard on my game solver wise. You know, right. maybe that'll change at some point. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, you That's know, what the, you know, like a lot of people, like I know solvers and stuff was important in online. No limit hold them. Do you think it's that much more important playing live cash or no? Well, for mix, no. And that's why I'm mostly a mixed game player now. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah. But for Nolan Hold'em, yeah. I mean, if you're, listen, if you're in a soft game, no, it's not that, that important. But it's like, let, let me put it this way. Imagine that you just baseline how you're supposed to play spots. And now, not only do you now see what other people are doing differently, so now you know more precisely how much, what, what errors they're making and what spots, mm-hmm. you know, you then know from where to adjust what you should be doing. So it's like GTO, knowing GTO if you're really good is like never going to hurt you. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a complicated thing to know. No one's ever going to be able to know and do it perfectly, but it's a great thing to learn and to be a great way to establish a baseline for your game yeah that'd that'd be the way to put it so i just started working on a lot of gto to put it and i do notice that somebody that has talent that 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 knows how to read people really well when you add gto to the game and you and you really will play doug head up have you watched any of that match only the first 200 hands live Right. Okay. So I watched uh, both man. Yeah. So Daniel yeah. struggled the first three online matches with Doug, and it was pretty obvious he looked like he was outclassed. Um, I know for a fact that he I, is. Let me kind of, let me jump in. I'll tell you. I bet on Daniel. Yeah. I got like four four and a half to one or something. Yeah. Me too. Not much. Pretty small. But after watching the live two hundred hands, I would have canceled my bets right it looked like i mean i'm just being honest you know i look like daniel had some pretty obvious leaks that i would expect doug to pick up on and exploit now you know maybe daniel's gonna fix those maybe not but right. but they were like seemed like they were big enough that i was not happy with my bet you know i mean my bet was kind of, but here's the thing they're only playing like a couple hundred hands at a time. Daniel has like a long time to keep studying. So and, and I mean, he has like been. Daniel's caught up. Yes. I don't know who knows the results aren't anything and I'm not watching anything. So I can't comment on the play. Gotcha. But. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 after he was, he got pretty on the first three sessions. Um, people were like, he's got no chance. He's got no chance. And then you could see the adjustments he's made the last two days. Now, Running better has helped, but Daniel has play, is playing the turn much better than he was. I thought he was a little bit weak passive uh, before. Um, I, you know, I, uh, 
I texted with him last night and he, you know, he, he's putting, you know, without giving away anything, he's putting in the work, um, playing 200 hands and then spending six, seven hours a day analyzing those hands, uh, two, 300 hands. So, um, uh, I, I, I expect him, you know, to really adjust really well over the next couple of weeks. Um, he's very confident. Um, and, you know, as you know, all poker players are going to be really confident. Uh, so um, I, I listen, I like my bet. I, I, uh, I didn't like it, like you said, maybe after the first three, four sessions. Uh, what I've watched lately, I, I know we're going to have a chance uh, for sure. And uh, getting money isn't the source of happiness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So uh, I bet another two thousand at ten to one. So I got ten thousand at four to one, two thousand at ten to one. So overall, I've got twelve to win sixty. So I'm getting five to one. And uh, I, I, we're not. Five, I don't believe we're five to one dog. So you know, I like our I like our chances there. So um, so you haven't been playing yeah, much. Confused. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's interesting you said the thing about the turn, because, I mean, I only watched those 200 hands. Right. What stood yeah. out the most to me in those 200 hands, where there was a couple times where I thought I didn't like the way Daniel played the hand, was um, his just general weak play on the turn. Let's call full yes. folding times. I think it was one time he folded middle pair, where I would sort of be surprised if heads up, that's the standard play been like i would have guessed i can't even remember the hand but there was just some yeah. time where it was like doug bet the flop and then bet the turn and i would guess middle pair supposed to call uh at least most of the time and he folded but then you know other times where he was just playing very passively and yes. so i'm not saying in like every single one of those times he made the wrong play but overall it just felt like his turn play was like weak and off so that's why it was my read too yeah yeah, it, and uh, and it looks like he's adjusted that the last two sessions, um, and so you know we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, it's so funny. It's like uh, you know somebody who's a great player like you, and and uh, you know I know you have a lot more no limit experience than I do. Uh, I have more maybe tournament no limit experience, which you know tournament and cash are way did that. So you know I think we're uh, I think we're gonna have a good shot. So let's just hope. <laughs> And uh, listen, so you learned all the mixed games. I, uh, you know, I look back at the second 50K Players Championship you won. Um, I told everyone you were going to win it. And it was not because of anything. It was because I saw you with just something I'd never see. Because you're in a grab. Look at, look, at, look at Rass. He's just sitting there. He's patient. He's focused. He's patient. I'm like... I'm like Eric Wasserman and and uh, Mike Mitzrotz are getting into it, and he's just patient and caught a little bit of a rush, and you went on to win it. And I, I, I mean, I think it was probably I, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. What okay. What's the deal? Oh yeah. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Um. Oh. Do you Do you think that uh, that final table was uh, one of the best you ever played, if not the best? Well. <laughs> So let me let me give you a little backstory for that. There's there's some story to this uh, yeah. that maybe isn't that well known. Although I mean it's not like a secret. Okay. So I mean at this point I had already been playing the Bobby's Room game some, and I think like so I think Timex put out these like odds, and and you could bet on you know bet on everyone and lay a price, and like my price was like 
1.15. Okay. Or something where like all these guys in Bobby's room were like 1.3, 1.4, 1.45 or five for the top guys. And I was just like, you know, I mean, listen, I get it. It's hard to rank the entire field and you can never expect anybody to do it right. But it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is like just blatantly disrespectful to me. And, uh, and it's wrong. I think I'm actually plus EV at this because I don't think I, I might be one of the highest EV guys in the field right now, because I have a bunch of tournament, no limit experience and tournament experience that the other Bobby's room guys don't have. Right. And I'm like better at the mixed games than not everyone, but like the, a lot of people in the field. And I, I guess like Timex doesn't realize that. So I yeah. booked the maximum with him by myself. And then I booked like, I booked uh, someone else, two people like drafted a team like Matt Kirk and, and Timothy and Matt, neither of them drafted me. So right. I'm like, Hey, uh, can I take myself against your team? And cause you didn't draft me, like give me minus minus one Oh five or plus one Oh five or something against everybody. So like Kirk took the bet. So I basically had a bunch on myself and you know, some other people wanted pieces of me and they're like my friends. And I'm like, listen guys, here's the deal. I don't want to sell you guys pieces at face. Like I normally would like a little sweat piece. Cause I'm like, I bet, you know, more than two X extra at myself paying markup. So if you want a piece of me in this, like you guys got to buy out of the markup pieces. And so like Antonio was like, fine, give me whatever. So, you know, Antonio took like half of both of those bets and I sold a, little, like, a tiny little bit to a couple other people. And basically I had something like 50 or 60% extra on myself. So, I came into that tournament and I, I normally don't care about the WSOP events that much yeah. and hate playing day ones. And Amazing. I even like, even for the 50 K I normally don't show up in the first couple levels. Cause it's like, they don't matter. No, they don't. But on that 50 K I showed up minute one. I was focused as fuck the entire tournament. Cause I, I had this extra on myself. And it's just like that thing where I'm like, I'm going to play my best because I'm going to just fucking, you know, yeah, it's weird. It's myself up like Michael or anything like that. But it's like you watch, you, you get it. Like when you do something again and again and again, you got to find ways to get yourself up to it. So now I'm not as like insanely competitive as Michael Jordan, but I can tell you that throughout that entire tournament. And I like McDonald a lot. Like I talk to him on telegram all the time. He's yeah, a cool like guy, He's but guy. I'm just like, fuck Timex. I'm going to show him this tournament. Cause it's like, you got to like, here's the thing about poker that people don't realize. Like for me to play my a game, my A game is not showing up and, and playing hands and not being tilted. That's right. like my B game. Right. My A game is showing up and watching every motherfucking hand and watching people and like getting reads and like right. pre-planning and pre-adjusting and there. And when I'm playing my A game, I'm fucking really good. I know. But it's hard to be on your A game, like literally not looking at your phone, focused on every hand the entire time when you do something. That's hard. And like, maybe it's a little bit easier when you're playing monster big or at a final table, but doing it for five days in a tournament, the whole time is tough. Very but just tough. being on that bet and being like, fuck these, I'm going to show these guys 1.15 cross booking Lang plus 105 against me. It helped me get psyched up. So I, I was really on my a game for almost that entire tournament. And I, I thought I played like really good. I know. So. And, and it, you know, you just sit right on the nose. Like, so, you know, after 
you know, my injury and, uh, you know, it took me a couple of years to start getting back on my feet. You know, people are writing me off as brain dead, can't win, can't play, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, like you just said, I'm like, fuck these motherfuckers. I know how good I play. You know what I mean? I just had, you know, after losing, you know, all my money and not being able to get back in action, it just looked bad. But then, uh, you know, I even though I didn't win, I mean, the last three years I've got, six final tables 26 caches out of 53 events and uh it's you know it even as much as you want you you still gotta run good at the final table uh and not be unlucky yeah. but i mean 100%. i mean i i understand because the focus i had um uh especially i think it was two years ago uh 28 when i made those three 10k final tables yeah that was 2018 you know I mean, I was on a mission, man. It's like people are like, when people, that's the thing is, is we've been in this business a long time. And, you know, people don't understand how easy it is to get burned out playing poker. But when people light a fire under you, man, does it, I mean, I was waking up every day saying, I am going to fuck every one of these motherfuckers in the ass that fucking just think I can't play no more or whatever. And uh, listen, I've done really well since. So, um, you know, I understand the the trying to prove some people wrong. I um, I I, I mean, I, a lot of people. It's hard to say. You know, most people are always knocking everybody. Oh, he sucks. He sucks. Oh, he's not that good. Oh, he's this right. But it's it's like Ted Forrest always tell me. Everybody compares their A game to the other person's F game, right? When they see him play bad one day, so. You know, uh, but I, I, I know how good you play the mixed games. I know how good you play. And uh, and it's uh, good to see you become such a great player because, you know, it's, it just goes to show you, you know, hard work pays off, man. You just like, it, it just does, you know. So, um, you know, yeah. I watched that and I was telling everybody, you know, I was pulling from Mike because Mike was my friend and all, but... I said, Mike ain't going to win. Mike, what do you mean he's not going to win? I go, he's not going to win. I'm like, look how sloppy he's playing. You know, that one point, I think it was 2.9 million he gave Eric Wasserman when Eric Wasserman made the flush with Jack Nine and he had 10-4 offsuit. You know, I just, he had all the chips. He just didn't need to get involved and risk any big checks. And he was, he was just, you know, he had, he had 9.4 million in chips. I think you had 1.1. And I think he finished fourth or something. But, you know, um, I saw your focus. I, 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 the focus you had was amazing. I told everyone you were going to win, and you did. You know, and uh, well, I mean, obviously, there's some luck involved. So, no matter how fired up I'm going to get up to play my A game, you have to get lucky. But of course. I am like, I remember I, I played a lot of really good hands at that final table and made the most out of what I was given. Which, you know, I mean. Right especially like a lot of people are more familiar with ICM stuff with no limit, but how it applies to mixed games, I think it's really goofily applied a lot of times. And I think oh, I kind of managed to stack pretty well. I even had like a hand that solvers would now say I fucking crushed, but it was some hand where it was like Mizraki raised and then like the small blind called and I just like shipped for 30 blinds, like Jack 10 suited mm -hmm. or something, which I mean, nobody was doing that but right. that's like look on a 30 big line preflop solver now and it's like that's actually the standard play it's like one of the hands you ship there so right. it's like you know I, I mean i just was and you know obviously i mean i didn't have a preflop chart for that that was just me in the moment being like okay i've been playing pretty tight 
this guy opens a lot. The small blind probably can't call me. So, and this is a hand that's like pretty good to do it with. So I was just playing really good and, you know, didn't get unlucky. Things worked out, got lucky yeah. and uh, made the most of it. So it was, it was gratifying, man. You know, it was, I, it's, it's funny you say, that, you say that, you know, that was before the solvers and stuff were out. And it kind of, you know, applies a lot to my game. Now, I've literally never, never studied a solver in my life. You know, I've been studying a little bit of this GTO uh, recently, just just to try and get a little bit better. But like like you said, like you're playing really tight. Uh, the guy's opening a lot, and that's kind of like what I, you know. What I do is like I use my image. You know, you play tight, you play tight, you play tight. You see a spot, and you you know whether it's jack ten offsuit eight seven whatever, and you just go with it, and you and I just there's so much to using your image where they don't know it to pick up chips without risking anything uh where the solvers are so much uh you know so much about uh what you do here what you do there you see what i'm trying to say and so uh you know when you said that uh you know make it makes total sense you know i uh but uh listen i uh i watched you when yeah i I think there's been a lot of things that have been come out that people were doing like many years ago that you know some things people were doing were bad and other things people were doing were ahead of their time. Like right. pre-flop out of position, mini raises from the small blind that was happening like eight or nine years ago came in vogue, like yeah. these weird things. I mean, that's horrible. In fact, solvers were telling everybody to go even bigger. And it's like late position versus big blind spots. I mean, now solvers are going like four X plus, but, but something that, you know, someone like Perlod and people were pioneering 50, 15 fucking years ago with this like turn and river like over bets where you're like have yeah. the nuts or you're bluffing like you know solvers have basically love that shit so yeah. you know some people were like way ahead of their time you know so well like two years ago daniel was telling me about we we're talking like gto and solvers and he was asking me he goes about he, he starts saying yeah i'm like over betting the river i go dude i've been over betting the river since 2000 I'm like, you You mean you haven't been over betting the river all these years? And he's like, no. And I'm just, and I was like, you know, like I, I'm like, I've, I've, I've always over bet the river. I mean, when there's, I, I sometimes make it 2X pot on the river. You know what I'm saying? Whether I'm bluffing or not, because you don't want, you know, people, be, you know, the, the old people used to think, well, it, you know, who's going to call you? Well. Yeah, who's going to call you? You're right. That allows you to throw so many bluffs in there. So um, when Daniel told me that he had just two years ago that he just started over betting the river, I was like, wow, I've been doing it since since 2000. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, I watched you the first 50K that you won against Phil. Um, and uh, you were not near as experienced in the other games. You were at No Limit Hold'em. And, uh, yeah, I... You know, um, you know, we've I've talked about this with Phil. I thought the first flush draw, you know, he had such a big chip lead. He's definitely supposed to go with. I thought the second one was terrible, and the third one was terrible. And I'm sure you'll agree with that. You know, yeah. I mean, the way I feel about that, not critiquing Phil's specific right. play, is I was actually pretty. I know that like I got whittled down early on, right. you know, but I mean, I. For example, one of the biggest hands I lost was a hand where I was like really reaching deep and I was basically fucking played the hand perfectly. It was some hand where 
I had middle pair on a flop that was something like like ten seven four see if I or can some remember. And he yeah. check called like a half pot size bet, and then the turn was like a queen or a king, right? So it was like above the board, a hand that card that probably didn't help him. Right. And he checked, and I bet, and he made this like big motherfucking raise, right. and I was just like, I have I have fucking like third or pair at this point, and it's Phil Helmuth, right? Like not the guy known to make like a ton of moves, but I right. was just like, man, fuck this guy. Like he, I think. He's like the way he made this. He's repping like he just hit the kings up. You're too good, so um, you're too good. Go ahead. Chances that he didn't have it here because I'm like I think he might have a straight draw. So I I just hung on and then on the river like an eight hit, which is like the worst card ever for like you know I have like seven a seven or jack seven or some shit. Right. So then you know then he goes all in and I'm like well like what could he possibly even be bluffing with now? Now he right. just made a straight. He had like five six and made the straight right so i mean but so like you, that was so you were was right literally gonna own his yeah, soul you were right on the turn he made the straight on the right end. and then i yeah. got away yeah so i mean and the truth is is like most cards come in the river like basically i was gonna play the hand right because i didn't call the check raise on the turn to fold the river on a blank now phil's a person who might have definitely given up so but it still would have been like a massive pot and I, well, he wouldn't have had this huge chip lead right right so mm. i thought i played pretty well i was pretty happy with it you know but then just the way it went, then I got lucky. You know, there's no way to put it. Even though I was a small favorite in all three pots, I got right. lucky to win all three of them. Oh, so, of course. Of I've course, lost yeah. once. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was fun. That was, that was, do you have the moment in your career where that was like the only moment in my career where I was like legitimately lost my shit after winning something like with the celebration? Oh, like, yeah. Jumped up over hung my hugged my rail it's the only time in my career it's ever happened was that moment well i mean there was a lot of you know i was there it was you know you're my you're my friend you know but phil's my close friend and there was there was a lot of people that final tail were my friend and you know it's like i you, you it's one thing about people don't understand the poker community is a pretty close knit group there's there's so many people that when we're out we always pull for and you know when we're in it's uh you know, nobody wants, everybody loves everybody pretty much. You know, it's war at the tables, but, you know, there's there's a good group of people. But, you know, I know beating Phil and, uh, you know, watching him go crazy is, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember like it was I yesterday. Joker knew who I was before that. Yeah. I mean, like maybe if you were had your nose to the grindstone and you knew guys who were playing decent sized cash games, you would have known me. But like I hadn't, I hadn't done anything in tournaments yet. You know, yeah. I was a lot younger. So, so you've won two fifty k's and what a P, you've won four. What was the other one? A PLO and a no limit. I've won. Yeah, I won. So that that year when I won against Phil, I won like a fifteen hundred pot limit hold'em. A pot limit uh, yeah. uh, earlier, which wasn't even on like the main table, so it wasn't right. it wasn't even for that much money really. So it was, that's why I was like, even though that was my first bracelet, I didn't get the whole joy like whoa, you know, feeling after I won. And so then I won the two fifty k's, and I won the ten k no limit deuce. I think in sixteen. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you say you're not playing much poker now. What are you what are you doing with yourself? I've been exercising 
I've been reading, watching TV, uh, following Bitcoin, doing a little trading, hanging okay. out with my wife. Sweet. Just, you know, <laughs> enjoying life, man. Dude, that's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, I look back at the days when I had all the money and I wish I, I was a little bit cocky and I wish I would have, uh, you know, been a little bit more responsible because, listen, poker, you know, you can make a lot of money in poker, but there comes a point in life where, you know, the playing big stakes poker, the swings take a big toll on you. And, you know, once you got yourself a lot of money, you know, why do you want to put yourself through so much of it? Uh, and I don't know if that's what you think. But that's what goes through my mind. Uh, does that have an effect on you not playing as much right now or what? I mean, I don't know. It's like, listen, I like playing. I like being under pressure. Mm -hmm. I like the way that makes things clear mm -hmm. and that feeling you get when you're in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the financial pressure, I feel like I'm pretty good overall at kind of having an idea about like where I stand and what I'm doing. Right. Which is why you, you kind of, I don't know if you noticed, but if anybody noticed, but it's like at some point a couple of years ago, I kind of stopped playing the no limit Hold'em tournaments after mm -hmm. playing them for many years, like right. all the high rollers. And then I just quit yeah. because I knew like, I'm not studying solvers. Not that I never look at one. Listen, I have PO solver on my computer and I've looked at it, but you know, I know people and I know the guys who were like rising to the top. Right. I know they're like doing many hours a week. They got their, like sessions they have they don't even have po solver but they have their own like private fucking software and their groups and everything yeah. and i'm just i would look at a couple hands in po here or there right like i'm not keeping up with them and it's yeah. like you know it's okay i'll just take a step back and i'm playing mixed games it's fine i'll so i'll stop playing no limit hold'em tournaments like right. you know i mean i i'm proud of like what i've accomplished and i have confidence when i play but like i try not to let ego get get there and no. you know it was awesome for like you know maybe three or four years there where i was literally playing the biggest with anyone in any game mostly yeah i'm not saying like heads up but like i was playing the biggest no limit hold'em ring tournaments i'd play in like big no limit hold'em cash games i'd play in all the biggest mix games and it's like well i kind of had to step off the horse with the no limit hold'em tournaments now because yeah. it's you know i'm just being realistic about it and well i agree it's like maybe i could hop back on the horse but you know i haven't so far I, if i find the right situation maybe i will i don't know yeah and, and you know i you know i like i said if the solvers are not when you play like a wpt event um or borgata event a regular size tournament where, where you're playing these big fields with people that are not like that don't do solvers and stuff you know, your, your, your skill is going to give you a chance. Like I've had a chance to win like three of the last four, uh, WPTs. I mean, I was down to the last, uh, three tables of all of them. Uh, so it's not near as important than when you're playing the high, when you're playing the high rollers, it's just a whole different animal. And, uh, it's something that un you know, I just never really had any interest in, you know, I, I like, like, I play, yeah. like playing mixed games. I like playing the WSOP events and, uh, you know, I, I get myself in some good juicy, uh, no limit cash games that, uh, have a lot, couple fish in it and, uh, you don't have to, you know, work as hard and, uh, you know, poker is supposed to be fun. I don't know if it's like you say, all these people that put in all these hours studying solvers stuff. I mean, is it really fun? You know, every time I go no. play poker, I want to have fun, you know? 
For me, no. In fact, that's part of the reason why I've avoided that is like, I'm a person who likes learning by doing. Right. And then, you know, while doing, then I'll think about it. I'll think about it as I'm doing it. You know, maybe I'll do a little work on my own or I'll right. talk to someone. Right. It's not like saying I'm not doing anything, right. but it's like, now really for no limit hold on the optimum study path you really wanted to be like efficient with your time is probably doing half the time away from the table and half the time playing right because like you have such good tools now to study the game and it's just like man i don't want to fucking do that like yeah. i'm not saying i wouldn't if i had to make a living but like i just don't have to do that right now and so i'm not going to and if that means i got to change my playing schedule then that's what's going to happen because ultimately i like i want to i got into poker because it's fun and I can make money doing it. And like, I'm like a weird person. Fun is like learning, but it's learning by doing, not learning by studying. Like that was one of the things that never appealed to me say about chess was there's a lot of study involved with chess, you know, yeah. also because it's like, there's so much theory that like has already been discovered about how to play. And the thing that was so awesome about poker, that's like kind of like we're losing it a little bit is that there wasn't this whole theory like, sure, there were the books, like, but, you know, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, the books that were available were pretty simple. Stuff right. like Super System and these books. I mean, once you got any good, those books were like a joke almost, right? right? Yeah, like, yeah, so, like, the best players were talking to each other and just, like, you had your own theories or whatever. But, like, what was in the books was like, yeah, okay, play that way, sure. <laughs> like, what, can I play with you? You know, so. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. What's that? Okay, so um, before we open up the phone lines, let me uh, we're gonna switch uh, we're gonna switch the subject a little bit. So um, yeah. you, you know uh, we're both kind of politically involved. I was uh, yeah, you know, I'm a Trump supporter because I lean to the right, but you know a lot of things Trump's done over the last four years really bothered me a lot. I have no problem telling people um, there's a big difference between supporting somebody because you support their policies and supporting somebody. Uh, because you support them. I mean, I everybody can... And, and the thing that, that I respect about you and I wanted to talk a little bit about you is, is you know, we were talking the other day and uh, we were going to bring this up is the fact that people are so much in their bubble right now. Like, oh, this is the right side, this is the right side. And then, you know, when Trump's sitting there right now, like saying contesting, he wants an audit the count. And... Um, and you said, yeah, you know, if, if, if Joe Biden, you know, really feels he won, why is he against auditing the count, which is how I feel? And you were attacked by everyone on the left and you're on the left. Um, kind of explain to the audience like 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 what how you feel about that and um, and, and, and where you feel about uh, the, the election we just had. Sure. So l let me start by doing a little intro, which is like. I know I get like thrown in the left and yeah, I mean, I voted for Joe Biden, right? but I mean, dude, man, I've taken, you know, political quizzes on say, I side with.com. You should check it out. If you're listening, it's just great. You do these like complicated quizzes. It tells you exactly kind of where you feel and where you match up. I'm really kind of like a left libertarian, so right. to speak. Like I'm kind of economically conservative, definitely socially liberal, right, me a too. bit leaning towards stuff like decentralization or whatever. And so it's like the things that I tweet about, for example, is like um, Bitcoin and politics now, not even poker. But right. just so so when it comes to this election, it's like 
you know, I, I we, we not arguing about where everybody stands, but it's like, listen, I tweet a whole bunch of different things. Like, I don't like the far left. I don't like the whole cancel culture. Yeah, me like, either. Telling people what they can and can't say. Like, yeah. I've, I've tweeted Mick Warder, who's like a black guy who's against the anti-racist movement. Like, yeah. I'm, I don't like the anti-racist movement. I think, like, you shouldn't. I just don't like the whole thing. I feel like it's not only it enables, but it puts people. And I think it's part of the reason why someone like Trump is so popular. Exactly. Sam Harris really put this into context when he's like, listen, who's Trump's like number one demographic? It's like white males. okay? and it's white males who on the one side, you got the left telling them that, listen, not only are you a racist motherfucker because you're white and not only like are you responsible for your own sins in life? You're responsible for your great great grandfather's Thank sin you. of slavery. So Thank get down you. and bend the fucking knee. And I was just like, wow, that's so. And you juxtapose that with Trump, who's like, no one's ever going to think Trump is moralizing to them. Right. Trump is like a, you know, go back to your shitholes countries, no apologies, like, fuck you, Jesus. Yeah. And like, no one's ever going to think he's telling them what to do. And so it's like, I'm just going to say it simplistic white people are like, great, like I can either get told I'm a motherfucker or be like, fuck yeah, yep. fuck everybody with Trump. So like a lot of those people are going to be like, fuck everybody with Trump. No, I don't like Trump at all. I yeah. actually dislike him personally me a lot. Too. Like what he's doing is not appealing to me. Me you, too. You know, But I voted for him because of what you just said. I don't want to be told. See, this is what, I, what, what I'll give you an idea. Like, like about two years ago when Prahlad, who knows nothing about politics, started jumping in and on Twitter, right? And I, I'm like, dude, do you think 63 million people are racist? And he said, yes. I'm like, dude, you're brainwashed. I'm like, there's not 63 million. You have to ask yourself, and now this year, 73 million people voted for Trump. Why did they vote for Trump? Now, i give you an idea. And um, I went to dinner in December with Eugene Kachaloff. And in 2016, like he, you know, we we went to dinner and then he starts talking pro-Trump stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, weren't you like on the far left in 2016? He goes, yeah. He goes, in 2016, I cried when Hillary lost. But then I woke up the next day and I asked myself, how could 63 million people vote for this guy? I'm a really smart guy. What am I missing here? And you know, then he realized that a lot of stuff he's being being told, you know, the media is very phony. Uh, they lie about every little thing to form a narrative uh, to fit uh, what they're looking for. And it kind of opened him up to what's going on in the world. Now, this is a lot kind of like what you were just saying. You know, 73 million people have voted for Trump. Why did they vote for Trump? And people need to ask themselves, instead of saying and, and this is the Democrats' whole problem. Why, unless they change, I can never support them, is half 73 million people voted for a guy. Why are you demonizing them as racist, xenophobes, hates, they hate, hate, all this shit? The more you say that, the more they're going to hate you for it. Because most people are good people. You know that. So like uh like what you I see you learn that a little bit what like what do you say to the to these viewers and these poker players that are just so uneducated that just listen like like I I really appreciate that you go out there and try and learn why and that's I did that in 2016 so here's the problem man the problem is that everybody wants to judge everyone else and it's like as you go through life 
mistakes and the people you love forgive you and you forgive the other people you love who fuck up and make mistakes. Of course. Just, man, like I can't judge people. And I'm yeah. definitely not going to judge someone because the color of their skin or like where they're from. That's like retarded, man. You go under the epidermis, which is thin as fuck, and everybody's the same. So yeah. it's like people want to do this and it's it's like what the left is doing is also judging people ahead of time. Like you're judging everybody who votes for Trump when, you know, there's people who vote for him because they're just pro-life and they're just accepting everything else, you know? I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people vote that aren't necessarily because they're racist and everybody has like a different order of values. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend it. Right. I actually didn't vote for Trump and I actually don't agree with the, I actually think Trump is pretty dangerous. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I know people are like, well, he does a lot of good stuff and then you're just yeah. like biased against who he is. And I don't really buy that. But I mean, I think the problem and what you're asking about is it's just like people got to stop judging each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows where anyone comes from. And you can't just make these blanket statements about everybody like, oh, everybody who, you know, likes Trump is racist and everybody yeah. who's white is racist. I mean, that's yeah. like insane. It's insane. Just basic common sense. I mean, uh, you know, that's all I ask people is like common sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, just get to know people like you haven't walked through their shoes. Right. Just don't be an asshole. And it's it's like, don't be an asshole in life. Like, try to give people some love and understanding. And if you want, like, talk and have a conversation with them. Don't judge people because of, you know, of, of shit that you don't even know. Judge someone for what they've done. Yeah. Right to take everybody individually and just realize and it's like listen everybody's gonna have biases because that's just the way life is right and you you got to work on yourself with your own personal biases in life and just try to evolve every day mentally physically spiritually it's like life is about that change and trying to embrace it and become a better person and you know some people are on that journey and other people aren't and i'm just gonna do the best for myself and the people i love and try to make good decisions and help people out when i can that's you know that's and so my mom dude my mom is like just gonna say it my mom is a big time trump supporter who's like fallen down like the QAnon rabbit hole to a certain extent with the globalist elites and i'm just like i love my mom she's a great fucking mom to me she gave me so much love going up and i'm just like you know it's like my sister can't my mom and i'm just like well i'm never that's never going to happen with me like i love my mom she's actually a good person like i don't believe like all this stuff that's like she's warping her mind right now but like i don't care about that i love my mother and i'm I'm just not going to talk politics with her right you know and and you know and you know what it's like i listen i know the globalist elites i'm i'm not down that QAnon. i didn't even know QAnon. i'm i'm i follow like hundreds of white people and I had no idea what QAnon was, honestly. So, like, when Trump says, what do you mean you don't know what QAnon was? I truly believe that he doesn't didn't know what QAnon is. I believe he might now because I, I didn't know what QAnon is, and I follow all these people. But, you know, the thing, the thing is, is, is it, here's someone, Andrew Barber and me, we were on the, the uh, with Matt Glance, we were doing the, the election night special with the mark with they have the little show market mania is a lot of fun and he asked me what it would take for me to not support trump and i said it's not about supporting trump it's and maybe you could understand what i'm saying because i know you read a lot i said it's about supporting a party that i know the media is in the tank for that is literally lie after lie after lie like 
Listen, is Trump a flawed person? 100% he's a flawed person, right? Does he do things that are just ridiculous? Yes, okay? But then you watch the media. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Trump make a speech or or say something at his rally, and then I'll turn on left-wing media, and they spin it into a narrative of something that was never said. And that's you are why fake you, news. Uh, yeah. Let well, me cut you off and ask you a question, Mike, because yeah. this cuts both ways. There's right. biased media on both sides. Oh, absolutely. Fox is you created a situation where you will never really be against Trump, be, not because of the content of what Trump does, which you're disagreeing with, right. but by the mere fact that people who are biased on the other side are reporting it biasly. Well, that's always going to happen with today. I mean, you've seen Social Dilemma, the documentary. Right, right, yes. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen both ways, by the way. It'd be like saying, I don't like what Obama's doing, but because the right-wing media and Fox News reports it like shit and is biased, I'm going to give Obama a pass, right. right? Now, I'm not saying I feel that way, but that's the counter. That's like the mirror image of your... Okay. Your because give a fuck what the biased media says mm-hmm. you just judge someone based on their actions like you know because like you're a smart guy so judge it based on their actions and forget what the left-wing media says right. like because who cares and so, so what do you, what do you, and, you feel about that? and another thing is a kind of like where i kind of stuck by him here even though and literally i'm i, I listen there's a lot of people that follow me that are big trump supporters that watch the show and like they're big time MAGA people and they think he can't do anything wrong or whatever. But like, I went into that voting booth. I went like that. I held my nose and I just pushed it for Trump. And it, and it really has a lot to do with with these far left policies that I mean, are just insane, like. Like what what kind of country can you have with open borders? What kind of country can you have with defund the police? What kind of country can you have with every time, unfortunately, some unarmed black person is is accidentally killed by the police that you riot and tear down the entire country? And, you know, when an unarmed white person is killed, which there was 19 of them last year, you didn't hear nothing about it on the media. But you hear about it every four years during an election year to get the black base angry. And they don't they just tear the country apart. And I just can't stand the media. I think the media for this country to survive, the media needs to be held accountable. And they know now we're going to switch the subject a little bit. They know that Trump has every constitutional right to make sure for his voters that the election was secure. Now, if it was any other year, it wouldn't be a problem. But people are like, oh, there's never been a problem in before. Well, why? How? Why is it rigged now? Well, there's 100 million mail in ballots and. They need and you have to have a signature check. And I knew when they announced mail in ballots that Trump had no chance of winning. Now, you on Twitter, you know, lately you've called out people like, hey, if for for the good of the country, for 73 million people to make sure their vote wasn't stolen. Let's just have a, a, a audit. Let's just make sure all the votes are secure or whatever. And you've been attacked for it. I think I this is where I agree with you. Explain to the viewers, like, when I say this, the difference between a normal election and an election in COVID with 100 million mail-in ballots instead of two or three, you know? So I I definitely want to do that, and I think this is an important conversation, especially because I've been talking about it on Twitter. I want to do a really quick aside here to clarify my view on 
this whole thing that we were just talking about because mm-hmm. I feel like I need to at this point. I mean, listen, I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm pro McWhorter or what he's talking about and anti-racism and this and like, uh, you know, and I, I don't think I don't really like the Black Lives Matter movement, but yeah. I'm not trying to say that I don't think there's been a problem with inst- institutional racism yeah. in America. Like, I do think so. And I think it has like some pretty grave long term economic consequences. For I example, I really like the documentary 13, which is about the 13th I saw it. Amendment. I saw it. And good, I think good documentary. it's like, but I don't really like necessarily some of the stuff that the BLM movement is doing, but it's not because I don't think there's a problem with institutional racism and whatever, but I, I just, it's a very complicated argument. And I would say at this point, if you really want to know more of what I think, some of the stuff that like McWhorter and Sam Harris have said on it, like I agree with. But but I, I just, so I just want to put that out there right now that I'm I'm not just like oh I'm a white guy and I just think like you know black people have just no problems in America and everyone's no, of equal course. like I'm with you okay but but I just I don't necessarily like the movement and some of the ways it's been co opted and there's a lot of people who have spoken very eloquently about this and I don't want to take over the podcast to talk about right, it. Right, just right, listen right. to some, you know McWhorter whatever so now re ask your question again because I, I'll now answer that yeah um the fact that 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 okay so we have never had an election with 100 million mail-in ballots, okay? Yeah. They, with mail-in ballots, you have to, uh, in most states, you have to apply for them, absentee ballot, they have to be signature checked, you put the mail-in ballot in, and they're signature checked. Now, I believe that a, a lot, and now, do I believe enough to overturn the election? No, but it could be. That there was a lot of these ballots that that the signatures don't match because they were mass they were mass sent out in a, to uh, to people that move. Everybody knows the voter rolls aren't secure, and I believe there's nothing wrong. Like, I if if if, if Biden won legitimately, here's the difference between me and the, the left in 2016. I will say Biden is my president. I'm not going to say Trump's not my president because you disagree with what he says. You know, he'll be my president. But I believe for the good of the country that we need to do everything we can to make sure when Trump does concede that their vote mattered. Okay, because this is a whole different election with all these mail-in ballots. And um, when I say that, what, what, what do you say to that? Yeah, so hold on. I'm just taking notes so I can make sure I can be thorough here when yeah. I say that. So, like, this is my feeling about all this. So first, okay, I mean, I want to go in saying I, I knew ahead of time Trump had this whole playbook mapped out. Before he knew anything about the mail-in ballots, he was like, this is going to be fraud. If I lose election, it's going to be fraud. We should only do the count on election day. And this is part of the reason why I don't like Trump Right? is because, listen, man, like, you don't know anything. You're just spinning this bullshit lie because you're creating an excuse ahead of time. And this is like irresponsible because you're the motherfucking I agree. But let me answer your question because that's a totally separate point. Yeah. So here's your question. The goal is to maximize, in my opinion, legitimate fair votes. We're in a democracy. I'm going to say right now, I don't like the way Republican strategy has become to like basically suppress the vote as much as possible. You know, and I don't want to get it too much into that, but that's how I feel. But that said, we should have a fair election where people have one vote and it's counted and it's made as easy as possible for people to have one vote, but that it's fair and, and we have enough rigor so that people aren't doing more than one vote. Right. So in this election, whether or not it's a completely fair argument, mm-hmm. I don't know, but it seems like a reasonable argument that because there's been more mail-in ballots than ever mm-hmm. 
And because the sitting president, for better or worse, has called this into question, and not only him, but like 40% of the country right. thinks this might be a problem, we should just count the votes and audit the election and just see who won. Exactly. And that way, whoever won, it's going to be as rigorously determined as possible. And then once it's determined, basically, other than like the super crazy, listen, if Trump ends up losing and it doesn't change the vote very much at all, mm-hmm. which right. is what I'm expecting, right. then all the like, maybe super crazy People who would like follow Trump like lemmings off the cliff, they're never going to change their mind. Right. But like most Republicans will, will be like, OK, fine. Like Trump's a fucking nut job and I guess he's out. Right. I never liked him that much anyway. And at least we have the Senate probably as long yeah. as they hold one of those. Well, that, seats. That's the thing that's important so, to me anyways. So. You know, so that's how I feel about it. Right. That's, that's, that's plenty fair. All right. Listen, we're going to open up the phone lines. We're going to get a we're going to take about five phone calls and uh and then we'll uh, let you out, let you out of here. Um, so hang on one second. The mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. Call me now, me and Brian Rath, 702-329-0480, 702-329-0480. Give us a call. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Brian Rast. How's it going? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing good, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, I'm just wondering uh, your guys' thoughts about uh, the big uh, online slash in-person World Series of Poker main event championship coming up. Oh, yeah. we were. I was going to touch on that. Um, we will uh, hang up with you, and we'll answer it off the air. I appreciate the call. Um, okay. So uh, that's a good question. I saw that come out yesterday. I said to myself, uh, what is this, another money ground? We've had two main events. Um, listen, I said it earlier on the show. Uh, listen, if I was running the WSOP, I'd do whatever I can to make as much as I can. But to me, it seems like another money grab. What's your opinion on it? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, it's kind of fun to have an event, but I, I probably agree with you. they they're probably grabbing money. But to be honest, if so, when people play, God bless it. I, exactly. you know, I, I don't know how I feel about the online bracelet thing anyway. Yeah, I, I, I just don't terrible. really care. Yeah. You know, you know I, 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 listen, the bracelet's been watered down for 10 years, eight, at least the last five. Uh, so. Well, adding in the Europe and Asia stuff is a little crazy. Yeah. Tournaments have. I never. I tried one of them one Hello? time. I went to on Europe the one time it was in Berlin, like with my wife. Me? Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah. Hey. Hold on one second. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Brian, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, we got another caller on the line. Hey, welcome to the mouthpiece. Uh, this is Mike and Brian. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Uh, This is Sammy Holdem from the uh, chat. I just wanted to know, Mike, do you have pants on? Oh, do I have pants on? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Can you stand up and prove it? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I'm not going to stand up. Here, you want me to stand up? Here, 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 here's my dick. Right here, buddy. No, uh, uh, yeah, I got, I got my pants on. Uh, right, please tell me that was a bet. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> please anyway. tell me you had a bet on that. I don't oh, know. Yeah, fucking, I should have fucking came up and, uh, whatever. That was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, so, um, no, I, like you said, you know, I, I'm not a bit, I mean, like, and, and the funny thing, like, people are saying, it's like, so wait a minute. So you're going to play to the final table on in Europe, the final table in New Jersey, and then you're in Nevada, and then you're going to, and then they're going to play them live? Like, like, there's no air travel in and out of this country. How do they, how do they plan to fly them here on private jets? I guess so. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Brian Rass. What's up? Hey, Mike, this is the real Sammy Holdem from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How are you guys doing? Okay. I got a couple questions on the state of poker. Go ahead. First question, truthfully, because you guys are in Las Vegas, or you know, you got, you're in Las Vegas, you guys are players, you guys know insiders. Will poker more than likely come back? For the smaller player, live one two no limit one three no limit two five are those days gone, uh, or do you think people will come back to the casinos sooner or later? Well, what? Uh, all right, uh, I'll, uh, we'll both answer that off the air. Uh, Aren't they back? Sure. Isn't it back now? I yeah. mean, I've walked in Bellagio a couple times. I haven't played there yet, but my understanding is I see games going. Yeah, uh, there's games going. I mean, I, I've walked through there too. You know, I've got to be, you know, because I have underlying conditions, so i got to be careful. But it seems like these rooms have been pretty packed. Um, uh, so um, we'll uh, hang on one second, sir. Uh, so these rooms have been pretty packed. And uh, even my uh, person, my massage therapist, she's been working part-time over at South. Hello? So, yeah, well, just a second, sir. Uh, been working part-time over at the South Point, and uh, she, they're playing 1-3, 2-5. Mikey, Mikey, So, yeah, I think it's back already, and I think after the pandemic, it'll return for sure. Welcome to the Mouthpiece. This is uh, Mike and Brian. What's up? Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, man. Lower your volume, volume in the background, bud. Sorry, man. I didn't know it was on the monitor. It must be delayed, is it? Yeah, a little bit. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Big time fan here from uh, Prince Edward Island, Canada. I'm not sure if you know where that is. Uh, No, they uh, kicked me out of Canada. (laughs) I'm in Canada. Okay, cool. Is that that all right with you, Mike? Yeah, no, they kicked me out of Canada. They told me I was criminally inadmissible. I'm not allowed in America either. There you go. So we got something in common, man. Same reasons. <laughs> no, but it's a small province. Uh, uh, Benny Chung, he won the Millionaire Maker in 2019. Yeah. He's from PEI here. Like, we only have one. We only have. We don't even have a casino here. We have a racino. Cool. Cool, man. Just thought I'd... Uh, never thought I'd actually get through, man. I've been watching... I've watched every stream since you started uh, playing poker there. I appreciate it, man. You were doing pretty good, no matter what they say. Yeah, you know, I play, uh, these people, like we were talking earlier, they do all these solvers, they put uh, all these hours. I just show up, and yeah. and I'm always always one card away from having a shot to win. So, um, you yeah. know, I'm luckily for I'm, me, I'm naturally talented. Um, same with Brian, he's naturally talented. And, uh, 
You know, there's a lot to be said about natural talent compared to people that are become good poker players just because they they study computer software. You know, you got any questions for us? I remember uh, the last time I talked to you, and this is fun. Do you remember back in the good old days of Full Tilt where you could go on the website and ask the pros questions? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember one day, I was 19 back then, I was I had a good run, I'm 33 now, I had a good run from like 18 to 20, back in the good days, right? Yeah. Like back, Poker Stars would, or Full Tilt would send me my check, my bank wouldn't hold it, and, and now, <laughs> you know, so I, I remember, I, I was young and dumb, the question I asked you, I want, is it still true, I asked you, what was the biggest orgy you ever had, Mike, and you told me seven. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I was a little crazy in the early 2000s. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun. I got some advice for you now, Mike. If yeah. you could help me, if I can ask you one more thing before you let me go for my poker advice. Okay. So this is, I'm, I'm more, I'm a small stakes player. Uh, here on live, I can only play one, two, five, five, or like, you know, $60 tournaments. I'm an online player and I play like anything for like, I'm I'm playing American dollars anywhere from you know four to fifteen dollars you know right. the big MTTs and like I finished I played uh, I've been playing uh, 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 I played three tournaments with about two hundred and eighty people like it it was about like a six dollar American buy-in three tournaments in a row I went from thirteenth the first I I, I can you know. In, in those tournaments, you gotta you gotta hit the top three to to, to even you know have anything like That's all know, all tournaments you have to hit with, the top. Right? Yeah, all 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 tournaments you gotta hit the top three. That's why um yeah. you know uh, Phil. One thing like as much as like people like to rip on Phil for a lot of mistakes he makes, but he taught me this many years ago, which is when you got a lot you know so many people they'll have the chip lead going to the final table and they'll just try and put the gas pedal on nine-handed, eight-handed, seven-handed. And it's one of the biggest mistakes people make. And uh, you just need to, when it's nine, eight, and seven, you just, you got to play pretty solid and, uh, you know, make sure you get in that top three and then you can start playing poker. And uh, that's what he taught me about it many years ago. And I'll, I'll stick with that. And uh, I think it's been very profitable. So anyways, we got a lot of calls we got to get. Um, All right. I appreciate I the call. I just want to say, Good, good action on. It's a disgrace that no matter how good Doug Polk is yeah. for Daniel Legrandu to be a four to one. <laughs> that's that's like you know taking right now. That's in the NFL picking Kansas against the Jets. Yeah, I and mean, everybody, you know what I mean. It's the same. It doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, and I got ten to one two days ago, and right now, oh, right now, Trump is ten to one to win the election, and Trump has zero chance. I got ten to one on Daniel two days ago, and he's in the lead. So, uh, well, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll have zero chance. But hey, speaking like about chance. the Trump thing, I actually I'll knock, uh, I'll knock a wood for you, Mikey. You got it. Take care. Go ahead, Brian. What were you saying? I. I bet I basically bet at minus six hundred a few days ago. I bet about like one seven one oh just over a hundred K to win like just under twenty K, something like that. So it's like stealing. So, you can't lose. It, yeah, six to one. I mean that was yeah. like I can't even believe this. It feels like it's twenty to one or worse. So Yeah, uh, I think I think the 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 true odds are probably well at, here's the thing. 
Uh, well, let's answer this question. Losing Air, if he didn't lose Arizona, the true odds were probably around six to one. But with Arizona being gone, uh, they're probably a hundred to one right now. It's so, tough. yeah. Welcome it's to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Brian Rath. What's up? Is this me? Yo, what's up, man? Who's this? Hey, all right. Hey, this is Carlos from Atlantic City. Hey, Carlos, um, how's it going? Man? Okay, so so reason I'm calling, first time calling on 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 the. I think you. You the the whole Trump thing. Mm-hmm. I think you don't realize you you think the whole media, like today you tweeted about um every every local announcer saying the first opening line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Sinclair Media meeting the day before. Mm-hmm. Basically, Sinclair Media is actually a right leaning, um, mm-hmm. you know, company um, advert not not advertising media company. You know, so so that that's very. I I think that. How would I say that, that you think that everything's a conspiracy? That's not a conspiracy. I don't think everything's you know, a conspiracy. I just know how dishonest the media is on both sides. Fox is just as dishonest, but the but the CNNs and the MSNBCs, they literally make up a story. I could literally like sit like me and Daniel. We made a bet uh, a couple weeks ago that we're going to sit down and we're going to spend two hours a day together watching left-wing and right-wing media, and he wants to bet me that that the right-wing media is going to be way more lies than the left-wing media. To me, I'm going to bet as much as he wants because I I could show him how the the media spins things and this is why it's like see people like to say like okay so how many people watch fox news let's just say uh 15 million people just to get both sides yeah it's very that's good and i respect i respect you for that it you know maybe 15 million people but 73 million people voted for this guy and people need to understand why because yes has he said a lot he said so many repulsive things where i've literally cringed and said how can he say that? How I you know, and, no, no. and but but the, a he, lot of people on the right, they're like, well, we love him for it because he talks like we talk, and he doesn't he ta- he doesn't he's not a typical politician that just spins shit. Because when, when you're hearing most politicians talk, you're you're basically all they are is glorified fucking lawyers who went to law school and could talk perfectly. So of course they're going to make you hear everything perfect, you know. So for those are the flaws they he, like about him, but. To me, but, but, you know, okay. being Mike the Mouth, who has no filter, I mean, Trump puts me in the trash can when it comes to filter. I mean, you're the president of the United States. You got to have a fucking filter. So that's my problem. Well, he, he's zero, zero percent presidential. That's for sure. But, yeah. but here's the thing. I have a little bit of a, a inside info on Trump. Mm-hmm. OK, so besides for years, he hasn't been telegraphing that he was going to contest this election unless it was a runaway. He was in a contest. He was saying it when he was well, with Hillary. In, in, all, saying, in all fairness, that, Biden and, said and the he's same been thing that for six months. Right. That he was gonna he was gonna put his lawyers. Now Trump has a history of using lawyers. Like I've mm. been grinding Atlantic City for over twenty but years. Again, I, before, I'm gonna I have to stop you many, there. I gotta stop you there huh? because because both sides had a thousand lawyers lined up. Hillary Clinton says, "Do not concede under any circumstances." Both sides were going to contest this election, no matter what happened. So don't just say it was well, Trump. When you, okay? when, that's all. Go ahead. When you know Trump is gonna, when you know Trump is gonna contest it, no matter what, you have to be ready, right? Yeah. You're not gonna be the side that's not gonna have lawyers ready. Yeah, of course. So, both sides. So here's here's the thing. Here's the thing that I know about Atlantic City. 
uh, he had plenty of contractors help him out with the Taj, the Plaza. I know the, the whole Marina story. The I know the, the okay. contractors he screwed. I know all those stories. Yeah, he stiffed many yeah. of them over. And also, I'm from New York City, and I have history of family members telling me mm-hmm. that the Trump family wouldn't wouldn't lease to minorities. They just right. wouldn't. They basically their 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 whole left rack area, the whole uh, couple other buildings, couple even in Midtown when he started moving Wrong. into Manhattan. Uh, he, listen, he just wouldn't. Uh, you're, if you this thing is 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 there, I tell people all the time. Uh, maybe Brian wants to chime in here on his feelings, but uh, you can if you want to say to me, Trump is a terrible leader. He was exposed during the or during the pandemic that he didn't know how to lead. I will say to you, you know what? You're right. He doesn't deserve to be elected because he's a terrible leader. If you want to say that he. When the time during a time of crisis where the country was scared whether they're going to live or die because you had you know nobody knew what the virus was in March and that he couldn't address the nation to keep everybody calm, I will say for that he doesn't deserve to be reelected. But if you want to say he's a racist, I'm going to just say what I tell every one of my liberal friends: name one thing racist he's ever done, and they never can. They never can. Hold on, hold on. I want to chime in. Go ahead. First, it's more than he just, you know, didn't communicate. He literally lied to the country because his number one fucking goal is stock market number go up and was like, I can't fucking tell people that this is as serious as it is. Not that some people have overblown it and some people are underblowing it, but Trump purposely, I mean, this came out in the fucking Bob Woodward interview, basically just fucking lied to everybody. And that probably caused more people to die than it should have been. Because he should have just been on yeah, the whole mask. And see, that, right, okay. and, and that's the, 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 the other thing I want to say. Let me hold on. Is the false equivalence. There is a false equivalence in saying the way Trump has dealt with this election is the same as Biden would have. That's not mm-hmm. true, man. Trump was laying out the whole playbook ahead of time that mail in votes are fraud and he's going to contest it. And yeah, maybe Biden would have contested it. Maybe not. But like Biden wasn't saying for sure he's going to. And there's no proof of that. Right. That's a false equivalence. Okay, so in all fairness, you know, I'm gonna I'll go out on, on the on the line and uh, and listen. People, the thing that's important that people need to know is okay. We are all in agreement. That Trump did what showed he lack of leadership. Trump's done a lot of shady things. That's that's we all know that. Okay, but you need to ask yourself, and this is the most important thing to ask yourself: when 73 million people vote for somebody. What are you missing? And I think it's very important to see that that the Democrat Party has abandoned the working class and that whether you want to believe it or not, they have. And nobody wants to. And this is where, where, where Brian said earlier, nobody wants to hear for four years, you're a racist, you're a xenophobe, you're this, that, because you support policies of the other party. And even if now when they lost all these seats in the uh, Congress, you know, and they're all in panic mode, knowing they're going to get smashed in 2022, they need to stop with the political correctness, stop, like, even like, like the NHL guy got drafted by an NHL team, they fucking, in the fourth round, they dropped him because of a tweet he put out when he was in eighth grade. That's just ridiculous. Nobody, the cancel culture and the demonization of people on the left is breaking this country to pieces. And if I was to ever vote Democrat, they're going to have to stop with the bullshit identity politics and tearing this country to pieces over something that a kid did 
fucking eight years ago when he was like fucking 14. That's all. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So listen, we appreciate okay. the call. And, all right. Uh, thank, thank you for your time, Sharad. Thank you for the info on Bitcoin. Uh, take care, guys. You got it, buddy. Yeah, so right. that, that's kind of where I, where I stand is, is the demonization of half the country. And you watch these, 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 these media companies demonize. How do you demonize 73 million Americans? You know, you, you should look out and say to your, I mean, that's 4 million more than Obama got. Let's say this with the, the racist thing. It's definitely true that Trump, it's not cool that he basically didn't say yes. Like, you know, I, I, Hello? I reject hey. the Ku Klux Klan and yeah. racism people. He kind of really drew that whole thing out with that and the Proud Boys. Does that legitimize it a little bit more than it should? Sure. But to like say every of the 70 million people, just because a very small segment are, are racist, that means the other, you know, 69 yeah. million people are racist. Is That's ridiculous. Absurd. Hey, welcome to the mouthpiece. Uh, this, you're on the phone with Mike Amras. What's going on? Hey, Mike. Hey, Brian. Um, hey. Sorry for, I got a couple of details that I'm missing from this story. See if you can help me out, Brian. You're playing on a cash game, Poker Go. It was on Poker Go in the studio a couple of years ago. And you make, some would say, a questionable play with the Omaha hand. You like three bet or four bet, bet, call it off. And like the whole table's giving you a hard time. And you're, uh, you're trying to like book action with a couple players at the table. I forget. It was... Not Zygmunt, but it was like one of the European. Do you remember the story or no? I don't. Refresh me. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't have the hand. I tried to look it up before I, I couldn't like find it. But like you basically bet call it off with like ace high because you're pot committed. And like everyone's kind of giving you a hard time. And you're like, it's not as bad as you guys think it is. And that wasn't really the argument. It was more just like everyone was like kind of like, not belittling you, but like needling you about it. And you're like trying to book um, a couple of the players and no one's willing to do it. But one of the guys keeps going, no, you're so far ahead and above. Like he just says it like 10 times to you and you just keep getting more angry and more angry every time he says it. It's like, you're like, oh, come on, book me. Uh, or like, do you remember uh, this, Brian, or no? You, you know? Cross I don't remember me. very well. Was this like, was the person who was saying it like Sam Soverell? Maybe, or I don't remember. Sam Sovereign, I, I think I, that, that name is right. I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to be like, yeah, because obviously it just yeah. sounds right. But the the main point was he was uh, uh, not belittling. I keep using that word. But basically giving you a hard time about your play. And you keep saying, cross book me, cross book me. And the guy's like, no. And you go, he's like, you're so far ahead and above. Like, basically, like, your play's so far ahead and above, I can't even understand it. And... Prize Long story short, me and my brother laughed so hard that night. I ended up making one of my screen names ahead and above, and <laughs> it's, uh, nice. yeah, it's, a, it's a good like story it. that we uh, laugh about. But I can't find the video right now. I'll try and find All it. Right. Well, uh, link, hold on, link it, link it. Send it to me on Twitter because I, I want to watch this video again because I don't actually really remember it very well. But yeah, no, dude. Here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I'll that's try and annoying. find it. If I find it, I'll send it to you. Um, uh, yeah, it was good. It was, and of course he didn't cross book you. Yeah, I just think and, uh, like, I'm just not a very big, like shit talker. I mean, you can probably attest to this, Mike. Like, yeah, I'm yeah it wasn't chill. like you were like, like I don't you did not start it by like, any means. You were like defending yourself and like, Hey bro, you think I'm not bad? Cross book me. And no, yeah. I wanted to cross book you, of course, you know? So, but it was just so funny. Cause he kept saying like, 
your head and above, and that was getting you. It was like <laughs> your friend getting angry, and you just keep poking him, and like he's getting more angry. But you're at like a poker table where you can't like go out and fight or anything, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I never see Brian. Brian. Brian getting angry is probably just when Brian talks shit and gets angry. <laughs> that's like a, it was Brian, the other one thing Brian doesn't do is talk shit or get angry. He's like the nicest human you'll ever like. I never get angry, and I think Brian gets angry less than I get angry. So it's I'll tell you what right, it's happened a couple times in Bobby's room. Yeah, I believe it. Well, those people are really? so miserable. So I it's, can understand it's you getting a couple there. times in there. There, there have been a few times it's been it's been drawn out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when I play poker, I basically never give people shit. I never tell people they play hands bad because I mean, I don't really understand that. Me neither. Because here's the thing: either they don't know that they played the hand bad, in which case, why would you tell them? Right. Or right, they do know and just like why be a dick for no reason to like someone? I don't know. That's not my mo. But like either other people, it's like their ego is like tripping so hard and they need to like masturbate and be like, oh, you play bad. I'm better than you. Yeah. Or they're just trying to be a dick for no reason, which either way, it's just annoying to me. And I, I just yeah, it always bothers me because like I don't really do that with anybody. And so I just I like don't like it when people do it with me. And so my, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that my reaction was like, let's cross both. Yeah. You know, because that feels yeah. like something I would do in that spot. Yeah. And you know what? But, you know, but pre-2006, I talked a lot of shit because nobody knew how to play and I had fun doing it. But I never maliciously would talk shit. It would always be to people I would play with on a regular basis, not with any strangers. Like, the only stranger I ever talked shit to was Raymer because he kept coming after me. But other than that, I just never did. And now, people are such good, so good that when you do play with players that are consistently making mistakes, I just don't understand telling them when they make most, it makes no sense to me. So I don't, it's people can't get over their own ego yeah, and like their need to like be validated by everybody at the table and like point out the one guy who's like playing bad over there, uh, which is so dumb for so many reasons. Cause especially if that guy's bad, like not even just teaching him, yeah. but dude, some people you humiliate them. They like won't want to come back and play or not in your game or just, no, it's really, I agree with you. So, you know, like uh, Phil, Phil tells me that I need to go back to talking more shit, and I, I disagree. I, I'm, I'm too, I'm old. I'm, I'm older. I'm past that. You know, there's too many great players. So I just you got to know your, you got to know your target. Yeah, there are going to be people. You know, listen, I've definitely seen it. It's part of Antonio's thing. He likes doing it with people. Yeah. If you know your person, and they're a person that can take it, and you have that thing, it can kind of add to the. Well, it's good uh, for TV, you know, if you know that person. But yeah, like, but, but yeah, you, you can't just do it to like some random person. Like that's stupid. I, I don't agree. Know. I, I think I if, agree. If it's 100%. something you know, you know they're going to take it okay or whatever. That's something that's different. You know. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. I appreciate the call. We're gonna we're gonna get uh, take one or two more calls here. So yeah, thank thanks, you. guys. All You're right. Welcome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll take uh, how many more? We have a we have a couple more. Let's take two, let's take two more, and then I'm gonna ask Brian about it couple more things and we're gonna let him get out of here that guy brought a bitcoin by the way that's that's the other thing i tweet about all the time hey welcome to the mouthpiece you're on the line with me and brian rass what's going on hey man how's it going sam from myrtle beach you guys doing all right yeah we're doing great man what's going on with you good wanted to check with you guys on something you two i watch you guys play a lot and you can answer this honestly have you ever played in these big tournaments, big games, where there, there's actual collusion? And collusion, to me, is cheating. Like, when you get two or three guys backed by the same guy, 
they you know they squeeze you guys have you guys been in that situation before where you know what happened but you can't prove it okay well we're going to go ahead and answer that off the air i appreciate the call um brian brian uh what's uh you let you play a lot more bigger games than me i'll answer after you're done i mean i i I feel like that having it be in a spot where i really thought people were colluding and and squeezing me out of a pot i can't say i've never felt that way before but it's very rare Mm -hmm. um it has been something that I've noticed a lot, but is it happening? I mean, I know in a lot of situations in poker, especially in the tournaments and people know each other and they're swapping action. Could it be happening? Could there be collusion? Uh, You know, I mean, I know it came up then that one final table spot where it was like, it was a three handed thing. It was like the guy and his like fiance and the other, other person, you know, I don't know. It isn't something that I've worried about a ton, but it, it has been in the back of my mind before. But actually, spots where you're getting, like, raised out of pots, no. But I think it could be a lot more subtle than that. So, like, let me give you a very subtle example of it. Let's say, you know, two guys swapped action, and they end up having a pretty decent amount of themselves compared to someone else. Mm -hmm. In No Limit, there's all these spots where it's, like, you have some hand that you're supposed to three-bet, like, you know, 20% of the time. Or just, like, it's, like, a marginal three-bet, and maybe you do it once in a while. Like, maybe that guy is, like, a little bit less likely to three bet the guy he has a piece of like deep in a tournament. Cause you're kind of like, you no, want I, that guy to pick up a pot. Whereas you're like more likely to three bet the guy you have none of 20% of the time with the Jack 10 offsuit, like, you know, cause you have none of that guy. And so it's like good for you if you pick up the pot. Yeah. And it's like, you might even have this bias and like not even really know it because it's, it's like in life, everybody's biased towards things a little, it's hard not to be biased towards something that's good for you. No, I agree. Right. It's just so, you know, so it's something in the back of my mind. How often has it happened where I felt like, whoa, it was definitely, definitely happening there? Like almost never. But I know it, it could exist and maybe it's out there and there's not that much you can do about it. So, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, it's funny. Like in, in 2004, like Jawanda put me in the uh, the 25K Poker Players Championship. And I was playing this nub forever, right? And Jawanda raised the button and I just felt he was weak, right? And I moved in my last money, which was probably about, I don't know, 15 bigs with ace, five of hearts. And he called me with nine, 10 offsuit and beat me. And of course I'm ethical. And I'm like, how the fuck do you call me with that? Like, not only do you just call me with that hand, like, and he had like all the, ch- a lot of chips, but like, uh, why would you want to bust your guy? And he thought it was funny. So, you know, that's why I deal, you know, I deal with a lot of ethical people. I didn't find it funny. I was pissed, by the way. Um, but, um, you know, uh, as far as like, I, do, I don't want to name any names, but there's been a, something that happened here a couple months ago that um, wasn't actual squeezing going on. But there was somebody in an eight-handed game staking uh, five people in a private game and, and nobody knew about it. I knew about it, uh, which is why I didn't want to play in it. And... Um, and then it came out and all hell broke loose. Um, listen, when you stake or take a piece of somebody, it's just very ethical to just tell the table, I've got 50% of this guy. I've got, 30, you know what I'm saying? This way the table knows. Um, I think it's the most, uh, very important as long as that's done. I don't, I, but as far as colluding, squeezing, I've, I've actually never dealt with it or seen it. So, but I will say in 2010, I was in a, uh, in Brazil and uh, we, for the, 
W, uh, full tilt uh, Brazil poker tournament and uh, pre-party we went out to this mansion about a two hour drive from where we were staying and upstairs there was like 300 computers in a room probably the size of the Bellagio poker room lined up I go what the fuck's this they like oh we teach people how to play online poker here and I'm like give me a fucking break that's when I knew there was a lot of kind of collusions going on in tournaments but you know now they've you know who knows you know I, I feel pretty safe i i only feel i was cheated one time and it ended up i was i was cheated and that was at the ub scandal so whatever <laughs> you know yeah uh, we're done okay cool so uh we're done we got all our phone calls in maybe somebody else will call while we're finishing up here so let me ask you this i i've been <laughs> you're really good friends with antonio i haven't called him yet because i'm just saving it to bust his ass how did he feel losing to Phil Almuth? Not once, not twice, but three straight times. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I haven't really had uh, much of a conversation about it with him because, like, you know, now he's living in L.A. Yeah, yeah. He's got two kids. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a few back and forths here. I, I think I mentioned it maybe, and he just – didn't really like <laughs> don't worry when i see him i'm gonna because yeah. you know you know how antonio is he's my feeling is this is like antonio really felt like he held over helmuth right like i know he felt that way he felt like i played years because even like because antonio for people that don't know like he you know he's not that young he's a couple years older than me he like came up playing cash in california He's played with Helmuth probably a number of times over the years. And like his feeling was like, I got this guy's number. Right. Right. And I mean, I guess it's just like whether or not you still feel that way, it definitely rewrites the situation. And it probably puts it inside of, you know, your own mind. Yeah. Like the guy just beat you three times heads up. So, you know, I'm sure it's something he's a little like. I, when I see him, I'm gonna I'm gonna really give him a hard time because you know how you yeah. know how Antonio loves to talk a lot of shit. So oh, Antonio is a person who yeah definitely he definitely needs to be ribbed. He definitely needs to be ribbed once fucking coronavirus. He's like the worst over. loser. I I mean the sorry not loser. He's the worst winner ever. And but this is part of his whole shtick. His shtick to make it like fun to gamble with him because he makes you want to beat him. Right. Like, I played backgammon with him before i've never just been talked shit to so much across the backgammon board it's like it feels so satisfying to beat him sometimes well because he's such a well that's the same with phil is like phil's like the biggest nit in the world but he gets paid because people just want to beat him you know instead of like going to want to beat him just be patient you know and and just take and you got to whittle phil down a little at a time because because he, 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 you can't just tell yourself you just, uh, you know. I, listen, I played so many hours of Phil during COVID, right? Yeah, I'm for good like three no months, hold him. for like three months straight, and um, you know he was uh, not playing well, and everybody was making fun of him, and we were beating him, and he was going crazy, and every and then every time, and then he, he, we we were playing on Poker RR where they have the uh, microphone, and he'll be like. With, with the big microphone and he'll be like going crazy and everybody be like laughing and he'll be like, ah, you come after me. And it, and it was, we were all, and then we're on zoom half the time and we were just busting up and it was just, I mean, I don't know how many times I almost pissed my pants because it's just, well, you know how Phil is, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Phil but he, his own shtick too. Right. Phil's shtick is like, Phil's shtick is he picks a few people at the table, usually the aggressive players. 
And he just like makes it personal. Yeah. Like, you're coming after me. Like I'm going to show you. Right. And then listen, my opinion is Phil then tries to gauge their response. Either he backs them off and is like, you know, get out of my lawn, bitch. And they agree. Or they're like, fuck you. And they come after him. Right. right? So he's like setting up a dynamic. Exactly. What I think Phil. And so when Phil's on, that works out and he sets up the dynamic and he reads the dynamic and it works for him. Right. And when he's off is, you know, you sometimes you see that not work out. Right. For whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, is unorthodox style that Phil has um, there. What people need to understand also is just because they don't play solvers and play mathematically what the computer tells you doesn't mean they're not doing things right. Phil does so many things right in tournament poker that people don't agree with. But his result, I mean, we're going now in the 2020 and the guy like has finished in the top five player of the year, what, five out of the last six years. So you can't, you just, you need to re I always say, if you think you're running over a really good player, you need to reevaluate your situation because, you know, um, I, I, you know, listen, I sat down with Phil. I said, listen, I, now that we've gotten really close since COVID, we're, we're always good friends and acquaintances, but you know, ever since COVID, you know, instead of talking once a week or once every 10 days or whatever, I mean, we talk every day. Right. And if you try the one thing, and this is, you know, I, a lot to, you know, I, I, I call him the, the Donald Trump of poker because he just doesn't want to, I mean, his ego is so big. And his answer to me is don't talk to me about poker. I know everything about no limit hold'em. You don't know anything, you know? And I just believe in my heart, if Phil put in the work, like Daniel's putting in the work with Phil's ability to read and is able to just not tell everybody he's the greatest, I think Phil would be a monster. But it's never going to happen because it's... Listen, it's just like Trump might never concede. You know, it's like the thing is, is is narcissism. I mean, Phil doesn't believe he's a narcissist and he's not Donald Trump narcissism because Phil will admit when he's wrong, where I do believe Trump would have been reelected if he had any kind of sympathy whatsoever. If he would say, apologize once in a while saying, listen, nobody's perfect. I, you know, um, we all make mistakes. Let's work this out together. Let's get this through together and kind of humanize people. And, uh, and, and and the narcissism is his downfall. And he has nobody to blame but himself. He His policies created the best economy ever for anybody. Um, but and, and there's a lot of people that love him for his, his brashness and for his outspokenness. I just don't believe and, and as a Trump supporter, and I'm not a Trump supporter where I used to. I mean, during COVID, there's been times where I have thrown shit at the TV and just said, I am done, you dumb motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And it's be- but the thing is, is like, you gotta, I mean, you gotta have a good, you gotta be a good hearted person. You got, he thinks that apologizing is weakness. No, apologizing and showing some remorse is, is human. You know, and that's a, I think that's, you know, he's got nobody but himself to blame for the election loss, and he's going to blame everybody else because even I, I knew that he would, and um, I knew he was going to lose. I bet I had a five thousand dollar bet that I made in uh, March, and I was trying to get off of it. I uh, booked, uh, uh, gave somebody two to one on Trump for a thousand. I was so sure he's going to lose, and then I bet Trump to win Florida for two thousand because I was so sure he'd win Florida. 
So I was going to only lose two grand on the election. And then then old my good buddy Phil decided to tell me that Trump would concede by 11 feet, 15 p.m. on this last past Thursday. And that was two days after the election. And I, I bet him 3,000 at even. Then I laid 13 to 1,000 for another 1,000. And then I laid three to one about another day later for another thousand and I beat him out of five. So I ended up winning 3000 on the election. So that was pretty fun, but uh, whatever. Well, Brian, listen, man, thanks for coming on the show. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, I know that you are not only in my mind, one of the top five players in the world overall, but one of the top five best human beings in poker. And uh, I just want everybody to know that. And that's how I feel. Um, and I wish you all the best and success with you and your family and, and uh, going forward. So. Yeah, actually, my wife just walked in the room. Come here. She just walked in. Hi. I'm her. This is my wife, Juliana. Hi. We celebrated our ninth wedding anniversary, nine years, wow. uh, yesterday. Nine, so, yeah, that's right. It was a year before I met my girlfriend, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Nine years, you thought, you think playing poker is hard. No. Being married for nine years is, 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 is tougher. It's tougher. But yeah, you know yeah. what? I, I love my wife. She's uh, she's amazing. And uh, you know what? I, I appreciate everything you said about me. And none of that would be true if it wasn't for my wife. I so, you know, you need, you need somebody yeah. in your life to help you grow and help you realize when you, you mess me up, you know? So my, you know. My, my girlfriend hates my gut. So, uh, but so you got something good going for you. She hates but, nah, she's yeah. all right. I'm just kidding. Uh, she's, she's all right. So, yeah. uh, listen. Uh, I wish you the best with everything, Brian. Uh, now that I somehow didn't have your number before, we'll keep in contact. We'll shoot the shit. And uh, I wish you all the best. And uh, thanks for coming on the mouthpiece. And uh, take care. Sure thing, brother. Thank you for having me. All right, and uh, peace to everybody out there. Bye. You got, you Bye. got it. Thank Bye. you so much. All right. Great. Bye. So um, that was Brian Rast. Um, I truly believe uh, Brian is a top five overall poker player in the world. Uh, I mean, if you uh, if you add in his tournament play, his no limit play, and his ability to become one of the best mixed games player, um, playing mixed games is not easy. Uh, he learned in the biggest games. I learned in the biggest games. I they threw me right in the two four hundred game, and caught, I think I lost like three hundred thousand right away learning how to play mixed games and. Uh, but once you learn how to play mixed games, it really is hard to go back to no limit hold'em. Uh, I've been playing mixed games for, I don't know, 15 years. And during COVID, I went back to no limit hold'em because of the fact that uh, the games were no limit and I was getting invited to some really juicy games. And so it was a lot of fun. And I approved my game and I, I really feel like my no limit game is just really good now. And um, so... Uh, I've improved it a lot, and uh, so I, uh, when you don't play No Limit for 15 years, it, it, it really feels good. So, all right, so now uh, we're going to go uh, to uh, our pick of the week. We had a winning week last week. We had Buffalo over Seattle. Uh, we were getting three. Uh, they won outright easily. Uh, that was, uh, I, I've been saying all along, the Seattle team is garbage. They have the second worst defense in football. Um, Russell Wilson has to play good or they don't win. He had, they had five turnovers. They still put up 34. That wasn't enough because their defense is an atrocity. So I've narrowed my two games of the week down to two. Um, 
One is Miami minus two and a half over the Chargers. Now the Chargers are two and six, and they literally should be seven and one or six and two. As and I blame coaching, they have found a way to literally lose four consecutive games on the last play of the game. I mean, there, there's. I mean, uh, how how many losses can this team take like this? So I'm a little bit leaning towards Miami, but Miami's coming off a big win. The line's two and a half. Well, the line's two and a half at home um, in a uh, when the Chargers are going to the East Coast and the line doesn't look right, I usually stay away from that. So I'm going to stay away from that, and I'm going to go with a team, one team coming off a bye, another team coming off a win, um, and this is in the NFC East. The Giants had the game against Philly, literally locked up the last game. They gave it away. They are now playing for their season. And the Giants, I don't care what you say. If you've watched them, they are improving every single week. Two two game, They won last week. The two games previously, they gave away, including one was against Philly. You're getting three and a half with the Giants. Um, I don't think the Eagles are three and a half point better than any team in football. Uh, if they win, they go to three and seven, and Philadelphia would then be three, five, and one, and uh, basically they'd be a half game behind them for the division. It's a must-win game for the Giants. The Giants' uh, offense is looking a lot better. The team's playing a lot better. I like the Giants plus three and a half as my pick of the week. We are four and five uh, after booking a win last week. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to five and five. So that's about it. Great show today, buddy. Um, remember, email mouthpokeryahoo.com. Mouthpokeryahoo.com. Playing my private home game. Received $250 in chips for $200. Um, the games are real good right now. So uh, I don't know how long they're going to be good for because the good players usually win all the money shortly. But we're uh, kicking it over there. I appreciate it. We'll see you all next week for episode 58 of the Mouthpiece Podcast. Thanks for calling in. We'll see you all later.